Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I want to share an experience that I had while training with my NG unit at Fount McCoy in WI. I have not ever been big into paranormal activity as a subject of interest. I originally got into these topics by just gawking at some of the more outlandish things, but the deeper I dug, the more I found the what seems to be genuine people sharing real experiences. This place in particular strikes me as largely honest and pretty earnest. In that spirit, I wanted to share a story about one of the few unexplainable instances that have happened in my life certainly the most significant. So, I'm a member of the NG in Wisconsin. I moved from enlisted to officer via ROTC and was attached to a unit in my prospective MOS while in the program. I don't really want to give specifics on my service as the community is small enough to identify me to peers in the unlikely circumstance that they're here. But in 2014, my platoon decided to conduct nighttime land navigation at Fount McCoy from 2030 to 0030. While the army is typically all about buddy pairs, Nightland Nav is one of the few cases that we can do things solo if we so choose. Having done Nightland Nav plenty before, I step off alone, compass, map, and headlamp in hand. For those of you who don't know, land navigation involves seeking out markers on a course by plotting their coordinates on a map and moving there via terrain reference and compass. At night, this is typically done without light as much as possible. When light is used, it is red. This minimizes damage to night vision. Obstensibly, these methods also keep you concealed in a tactical environment when employed with noise discipline. I bring this up so that you can understand a few things about my circumstance. You see, I was moving through the woods while making a token effort to be hard to spot or hear. The woodland that I was in is part of a larger forest system, but was frequently travelled. That night, we had some 15-ish soldiers clumping around. My illumination was a toggle label headlamp, but was toggled to be red when turned on. To cycle to white light, I have to turn it off twice. The cycle was off solid white, off flashing white, off solid red, off flashing red, 
off solid white. My assigned points will take me to the other side of the course and back. A good hour and a half of walking as the crow flies. They're more or less in a straight line, so I estimate two and a half hours out and back. I know if I come back too early, though, I might be given another set of points. So I resolve to walk out, take a break for an hour, then just mosey on back. But the first half of this goes as planned, too. I get my points without much trouble and wind up sitting on a hillside at around 10 at night. It's cloudy, but the moon is full. I can see wellish when the sky is clear, poorly when it's not. Occasionally, I see a red light blobbing off in the distance below me. Once, a pair of platoon members pass down the hill from me, using white light to try and read their map. I startled them when I asked if they needed help. At the end of my break, there's no more motion in my area. Most people had likely already walked out and back, or they were too lost and took the handrailing road home. I'm feeling pretty at one with my surroundings, having sat in the same spot eating stale skittles for a good long while. Owls hoot, trees sway, and all is well. I trot down my hill and step through some brush. I'm in a clearing where prairie intersects forest. There are some dead trees in the area. One of them is split halfway up. And at the top, maybe 15 feet, I can make out a head and shoulder silhouette against the clouds backlit by the moon. I walk up to ask how they got up there and if they're stuck when the shadow twitches and I get the impression that it's turned toward me. I stand there looking at it and it's maybe looking at me, but the situation feels off. I'm not going to let a battle buddy punk me or anything, so I ask if they need a hand. Mid-sentence, the moonlight comes back and it's clear that the thing on the tall stump is not a soldier. This moonlight glimpse is the best look that I get at this thing. It looks like a stretched out bald person. Its long arms are clutching the stump. I can't make out the face, but it looks pinched. By that I mean I couldn't see its eyes or mouth, like they were small and in the middle of its head. It's skinny like it hasn't eaten, but it's tall and obviously strong to have made such a vertical climb like that. It was definitely facing me. It probably was the whole time that I was in the clearing, in fact. Maybe since I came down the hill, even. Maybe my speech startled it. Whatever the case, I swear loudly. It rapidly scurries down the trunk. I flick on my red light and catch it on all fours, moving toward the brush line in the direction that I'm heading. Automatically, I keep toggling the lamp to be in white light. That means it goes off, then to flashing red. In the flash, I see the thing at the wood line, but... I think that it's flipped around and is backing in, probably to keep its eyes on me. In the few seconds it takes for me to get to white light though, it's gone. I scan the tree line, which is silent. When it moved, there was a scraping noise, plus the woodland brush is dense. If it was still running, I would hear it. I reason that it must have stopped. It must still be watching me. I fumbled out my knife and keep looking around the woods in front of me. After ages, I start inching along a perpendicular path to my initial route of travel, an angle that will link me up with the hardball road that runs up and down the side of the course. Once on the road, I can take it back to where my platoon is parked. My major problem is that the road is 10 minutes of walking away from my current position, mostly woodland too. That can't be helped. I have to get out of the clearing first. My progress on that front is painfully slow though. 
I'm fighting my natural urge to freeze in place like a deer in headlights. After sidestepping a good 10 meters, I hear a corresponding rustling and think that I see movement. Whatever it is though, it's enough to get me to turn and bolt, right into a down log which trips me. I scramble up to my feet and look back to the wood line where there is an audible commotion now. I glimpse a leg and a butt moving back into the woods. At this point I'm done with the whole situation but don't want to run again. I start power walking to the road, turning to look as much as I can while seeing what this thing is doing. Over the movement of my own kit too, I can hear it moving alongside of me parallel. As I near the end of the clearing, I think that I hear it picking up pace as if to cut me off. I make the decision to sprint, and when I enter the woods my path is clear, but I think that I can hear it in my periphery. I don't stop and run hard until I hit the paved road. I bite it hard too a few times along the way, but recover with a frantic speed that I cannot consciously replicate. Once on the road, I run perpendicular to the forest until I don't think I hear it anymore. I'm now winded from my breakout run. From the middle of the road have good visibility and decide to walk to catch my breath. It's quiet for a while, but then I hear a branch move around 30 feet in the air from the woods that I had just fled. I snap my gaze up, see a pale, ovular face, half in shadow, peeking at me from around a trunk, and at that, I just take off again. After way too long, I make it back to the headlights of our LMTVs, and it's now 12.15. What happened, cadet? Did you get lost out there? You're covered in mud. Did you fall down? Why are you out of breath? Ah, uh, I got lost on my way back. Yeah, I rolled down Pike's Peak. I ran to get back in time. They all start laughing. I know better than to claim that I saw a monster. Already my reaction had left me feeling foolish, to be honest. But in the years since drilling at FMC, I have never experienced anything like that again. McCoy does not have a history of disappearances as far as I know. Neither do the closest towns, Sparta and Toma. I've done Nightland Nav alone a few times since without issue. This is... To be honest though, this is less from courage and more from me deciding that I must have misinterpreted the situation. But after diving into paranormal subjects, I'm coming around to the idea that, well, I should probably trust my own account. Maybe... The world is weirder than my first thought. If anyone has had similar experiences elsewhere or hopefully an explanation, then please do let me know. And thanks for making it this far. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This story happened when I was 18, so around 10 years ago. After getting my driver's license, I'm Italian and here you have to wait to be 18. I was hanging out with my friends in Rome. We were five, me and four passengers. It was around midnight when we hopped off into a square in the south of the city with a football or soccer ball to play with. It was during summer vacation, so it was a normal thing for us. After some time, a guy in his early 30s came to us with a big traveling bag. He wasn't creepy, but definitely was a bit strange. He was skinny, but very tonic and athletic. Short trousers, very used sneakers, a long sleeve shirt, beard, greasy long hair and a baseball cap. Not a common look for an Italian 30-year-old man, mind you. But he started coming over to chat and then asked if he could join us playing. We were just passing the ball without letting it touch the ground. After some minutes of playing, he started to ask us about interests and then also about our sex life. Now, I'm a bit of a shy person, but some of my friends aren't, so they started to get along with him and he started to show us, without reason, finger push-ups, one-legged squats and some other cool exercises. One of my friends was just fooling around with him and treating him like a stupid person, asking always for more exercises. I forgot to say too that he actually hid the big bag that he had between two parked cars, one was mine, before he started playing with us. The friend of mine who was fooling around with him sent the ball a little bit far from us and faked us sort of asking the guy to get the ball for us. Meanwhile, my friend asked me to unlock my car. He grabbed the man's bag and throws the bag inside the back of my car and invited me and my friends to hurry and go away with this guy's bag, leaving him with the ball. In a few seconds, we were away, and he started chasing us, running, but after some distance, he disappeared from our rearview mirror. He was very fast, though. Now, I'm not a thief by any means, but as a teen, you do stupid things, right? I really didn't want to do something like this to this poor random guy, though. So we went to a park near our houses, and my friend started opening the bag. And this is where things started to get creepy. If you don't know Italy, then you should probably know that it's very, very uncommon that people are armed here. And inside, we found dirty clothes, a knife, not a kitchen knife too, but like a dagger, some food and a small box with a three-digit locker. We were curious about what was in it, so we smashed it on the floor trying to open it. And after some throws, the box revealed 16 female IDs, all different. It was at this too that I started to get worried about my safety since we used my car and he might remember the license plate and maybe find it in some way. We also started thinking about who this guy could actually be and why he was carrying these things. So we went to my friend's house, we switched cars and we went back with my friend's car to the place where we met the guy just to check. We arrive there and we're hiding under the windows to make sure the car looks like it's only got one driver inside. When we got there, maybe more than one hour later, 
he was still there sitting on the car who was parked in front of mine. He didn't notice us and we went back home with a lot more doubts about him. And after 10 years, I still remember this guy. The day after, one of us went to the police with the bag saying that we found it on the road with the dagger and the IDs inside. He made an official report, lying, but surely that was the right thing to do, right? This was in February of this year, 2021. We have a cottage about 45 minutes away from my parents' main home. It's not too far from Huntsville, Ontario, if anyone wants a visual. Thing is, it's completely unfinished. The basement has no proper flooring and has a slight water leak right now, so there are plenty of fans and sort of dehumidifiers running and stuff like that. As a result, one of us needs to check on the place at least once every two to three weeks to empty the dehumidifier in the basement and make sure everything is okay. To describe the house layout a bit though, the entrance to the basement is directly in front of the main entrance. It's a long skinny staircase down with a low roof so you need to crouch on the way down. There is one sort of terrible light bulb on the ceiling so it's always super dark down there too. There's one big room, then two hallways sort of branching off of it. One hallway leads to a bedroom, and the other leads to not only a second bedroom, but also a washroom. All of which are completely unfinished, mind you, and without lining. The second hallway is much longer, and the rooms are just way off in the back corner of the basement, and are completely dark. In other words, it is creepy looking. So, let me get to the day when it all went down. My mum and I are headed up there to empty the dehumidifier like normal, have some lunch and clean out some junk. We're slowly gutting the place. It had been nearly three weeks since we checked up on the place by this point. We stop at the McDonald's beforehand and each get a filet of fish combo. First time trying one and it was actually pretty tasty too. We get into the place and put our food on the table, then turn the heat on. The first thing that we do is we run downstairs to turn the water on and check the dehumidifier. After turning on the water, we head over to the dehumidifier and notice that there's hardly any water in it. It looks like it's only been running for a couple of days. There is still the regular amount of moisture on the ground, but it was strangely empty. My mum and I head upstairs and she grabs her phone to text my dad and ask if he had stopped by to empty the dehumidifier recently. He said that he hadn't though and we were just both puzzled as to why it looked so empty but never considered that there might be a third person in the house with us. Anyway, after heating up our food we both sit down at the table and turn on the TV. About five minutes into our meal we hear a massive bang downstairs, almost as if someone had stubbed their toe really badly on a cupboard or something like that. But we instantly jump and look at one another with a freaked out look in our faces. The TV is still playing rather quietly. And then we hear the worst thing. We hear a small grunt downstairs. And it was unmistakably a human vocal sound. My mum whispers to me, was that a person? And I smirk and nod my head yes. Although it was freaky at the moment. I wasn't really taking it very seriously for some reason. Looking back, this was pretty serious and this person could have been very dangerous. I just told her though, 
grab your jacket and let's head out to the car and call the police. We gather our stuff and I grab a kitchen knife on the way. If you'll recall too, the entrance to the basement is directly across from the main entrance to the house. So I had to make this peek around the corner sort of look and was fully expecting to see a person on the dark staircase. But luckily, it was just a series of stairs down into the dark abyss. Once we were out front though, we jump in my car and she calls the cops immediately. Within three minutes, four cruisers show up and five cops get out. We told them what had happened and they headed down to the driveway. They were in the house for probably ten minutes before the door opened. A couple of cops walked out and the third cop brought out a short chubby guy with long black hair and pop bottle glasses. They brought him out handcuffed into the front steps and another cop had a bag that looked like maybe it was his belongings or something. We were in our car which was up the street a bit and facing away from the entrance of the cottage but my mum turned away as soon as he was brought up the driveway. She didn't want to get a good look at him as the whole situation was pretty unsettling for her but they loaded him in the back of one of the cruisers and they took him away. One cop came over and spoke with my mum for a bit about the situation and ultimately my parents had decided not to press charges against the guy when it was all said and done. Apparently he was just sleeping on the old cement ground with a small rollout mattress even though there was a proper bed upstairs. This made us think that he had been down that back hallway in the unfinished bedroom for a while we probably walked downstairs to empty the dehumidifier and turn on and off the hot water a number of times and he must have been like 15 feet away in one of the bedrooms, which is pretty creepy to think about. In the end, he probably wasn't a bad person or anything and I'm personally at least a bit thankful that he decided to empty the dehumidifier. Hopefully he lived in there for most of the colder months this past winter. But we're just lucky, I guess, that... It didn't turn into one of those crazy squatting situations. So yeah, that's pretty much it and I'm just glad that nothing bad happened in the end because I think walking in into a dark room with some weird squatter guy there probably would have given me a heart attack. So I just wanted to share my experience that uh, I think about quite often. It was a few months ago, maybe even longer than that, uh, maybe even almost a year ago, that it still spooks me to this day. So my house has an open kitchen and living room. The front door is facing the kitchen. As I was walking in, I saw what I thought was my roommate's boyfriend ducking down behind the kitchen counter. Doing something like that to spook me didn't seem unusual for him to be honest so I laughed and said something like nice try I saw you duck down but after a moment of silence just a super weird feeling washed over me and I quickly walked over to the kitchen and passed the counter to see that there was nobody there. I walked down into the basement and him and my roommate were down there watching a movie or something. Now the spot that I saw this figure duck down was the farthest spot in the room from any door so it just wouldn't have been possible for him to duck down and then sneak out of the room because he'd have to go past the counter right by where I was standing to do so. This isn't the first spooky thing that I've experienced in my life. Hearing glass shattering inside with no known source, stuff falling off walls, appliances acting weird, my husband has seen dark figures but none of this was in our current home. 
this is the only house that I've lived in recently that I actually feel not creeped out in. Like, I can go out to the kitchen in the middle of the night for water and stuff and not even turn the lights on. But I still often think about this person, I think, I saw ducking down to hide like that. This was 1992. My mother was going through a bad patch in her marriage and chemotherapy for breast cancer. We lived in a very quiet town where residential areas only had small markets. For everything else, including pharmacy and public calls, we had to go to the main market which was almost three and a half miles from our house, one and a half miles from our apartment blocks to main road, and then two miles to the market, either by walk or by public transport. My mother, who was going through some tough times given my father's complete disconnect with us, she used to call her brother, my uncle for advice and catharsis who lived in another city. For those calls, she had to go to the public call office, PCO, which was run by two weird men. The same market had the pharmacy where my mother would buy her medicines. Now, I was 11 and my older sister was 17, and one evening, my mother along with my sister went to the PCO to talk to my uncle. I don't remember why but I think my father asked her to leave the house and she wanted to discuss her options or something. She was in distress though and didn't realize that it was already late when she finished the call. The market was closed so was the public transport. My mom and sister paid the bill and started their walk home on the path next to the main road. The two PC owners closed the PCO and started following them one on foot right behind them trying to offer a ride and the other on a bicycle next to them on the deserted main road. My mother strictly refused, held my sister's hand tightly and started walking as fast as she could when a white van appeared on the service road and started driving slowly next to them. The PCO guys had already arranged a ride with some really bad intentions and didn't seem to go away but they were probably waiting for them to get off the main road to strike. On the next turn though, two men came from the opposite side on the footpath, and to my mother's relief, it was the pharmacist and his friend who were returning to pick his car from his shop's parking after a walk. They saw the men in the van and they immediately realized what was going on. They stopped, said hello, and asked if she needed help, and they agreed to walk with them home, and the PCO guys fled upon seeing these guys. The kind pharmacist saw my mother and my sister to the safety of our house, thankfully, and my mother never went to that PCO ever again. Last week, my 10-year-old son B got sick one night, vomiting, fever, etc. So, the next morning I kept him home from school. I accidentally forgot to call the attendance line and report him absent, and about half an hour after school starting that morning, my fiancé called me from work freaking out asking where B was. I informed him that he was homesick, which my fiancé didn't know because he had left super early that morning for work. But apparently, the school had been frantically calling me, my phone never rang and I had no missed calls and then called my fiance because numerous students and teachers had seen B at breakfast, served before school starts, but B is always there early for breakfast. But he was also absent from class when school began. 
Many students swore that they had seen B at breakfast, but B was acting weird and didn't respond to them and stuff like that. Very odd because B is a very outgoing and social person. It even escalated to the point that some students had seen B running onto the stage in the auditorium and hiding. Teachers were literally using flashlights to search, even up in the stage rafters for him because he had supposedly even been spotted up there. One of his best friends even called B from school that morning because she was worried and B's phone never rang. She also texted and, you guessed it, no text was received. The police had even been notified and were en route to the school until my fiancé called me and I called the school immediately to inform them that B was homesick. I have tried to obtain more details about all of this, but... Even the school secretary seemed weirded out by it and was just like, um, okay, well, glad he's okay. Must have been another student that looks like him. From the info that I've gathered, though, nobody actually spoke to me that morning because he ignored us and just stared down at his food tray. When asked about what he was wearing, all I got was a hoodie and sweatpants, his usual everyday attire. Bottom line... This whole thing really freaked me out. His friends and even his teachers. Do you guys have any idea about what happened here? So my girlfriend and I were months away from being parents for the first time and we were both working jobs. I worked in retail as a key holder. She was working as an assistant manager at a place in the local strip mall. After my shift one day, I took the deposit bag, wrapped it up in my work clothes, put all of that in a bag, and I went to walk for five or so minutes to my girlfriend's work. Just before I got to the door of the mall, though, a man came up and asked me if I could help start his car. He needs to get to work, but he can't do it himself. Now, growing up, my family had cars like that, so I was like, oh, must be the air intake or whatever, and said that I would help. We walk around the corner of the mall to where the car is sitting, and that's the car that I'm going to help start, I think to myself. But the man says, so we just need to get in and I'll drive you to my car, I need help starting it. And the hairs on the back of my neck start to rise. I have ignored gut instincts before, that's how I am with this girlfriend at this time, but this is a sensation that very clearly is telling me, ignore these psychological warnings at your certain peril. I quickly explained to him that I thought this was going to be a very quick thing and I have somewhere that I need to be and I'm already late. I apologize and walk away from him into the mall and watch him leave in the car before going to my girlfriend's workplace. I tell her that we're going to scrap our plans for dinner and make it home ASAP, dropping the deposit bag along the way. As we're passing the parking lots to head to the bank in a roundabout way, we see the same dude who was in a hurry to get to work, slowly driving around a target parking lot, just scoping people out. There is no doubt in my mind that I would have certainly regretted getting into a car with that man that day. In fact, there's a good chance that I wouldn't be sharing this story today if I had. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. 
And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.